0: chow on here and i've obviously not brushed my hair or put on my fake lashes it's one of those lazy days so on a lazy day what do i do i throw on some plastic glitter over my eyes so that i can feel more human i know plastic to feel more human and that's one of these sort of dichotomous ideas that we're going to be exploring in this interview, this two part interview that I've done with Sabrina Scott. And Sabrina is definitely one of my favorite witchy minds right now. And to help celebrate, commemorate this two part interview, her publisher, Red Wheel Wiser, they've been kind enough to send two new copies of her book, Witch Body. And I've been thinking since it is a two part interview, let's give away one book in part one and the second book in part two this is going to be open to anybody anywhere in the world international what you need to do is watch the interview to the very end and i'm going to pose a question at the end of the interview and then please comment down below see you later back to the Jujing a little bit
1: <laughs> Oof,
0: hello everybody chowlin here and today, I have this gorgeous lady with me and she is the author and illustrator of this really amazing graphic novel. Excuse the little, uh, the uh, the bookmarks, which are actually torn pieces of paper, but there were so many parts of this graphic novel that I just wanted to bookmark. And in the book, she says, you know, write in the margins, do whatever, but I was just like, it's too pretty. So I just <laughs> stuck in the paper. But guys, look at this. This is the front cover. Called Witch Body. Here's the back cover.
1: This is so nice. I feel so flattered right now.
0: Gorgeous. All the detail and the love and care and the spirit that went into it. Come on, guys, look at this. Look at this.
1: This I'm book again is called
0: <laughs> Witch Body, <laughs> and my guest today is Sabrina Scott. Hi, Sabrina. Hi,
1: thanks for having me. It's so nice to be here.
0: Who is Sabrina
1: Scott? So Sabrina, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh my god, I always like, I'm so flabbergasted by that question. I do so much different stuff, so I'm just like, okay, how am I gonna summarize this? So, okay, what's the short version? I've been doing witchcraft and magic stuff for about 20 years. I grew up in something called modern American spiritualism, so that's like talking to dead people, going to seances, watching tables move around from spirits, doing that, you know? regular normal chill stuff no problem Um, and I'm also University prof and I'm doing my PhD in science technology studies basically philosophy around magic and stuff like that and I do comics So I do a lot of stuff I guess oh yeah, and then I read tarot (laughs) When I first got this book I expected
0: you know witch body I thought this is this was just going to be like a graphic novel talking about you know making yourself a cup of tea and doing magic over the cup of tea. And the thing is guys, I, this cover is beautiful, but the insides, the contents are incredibly deep. Like it says here, let me tell this. which body, a rambling and poetic autoethnography of Western occult magic as a pathway for environmental learning and advocacy. I opened to this page and I was just like, wait a second. I don't think this is going to be about tea. (laughs) You actually did an Instagram story. This amazing rant about
1: like a lot of witchcraft 101 books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm such a bitch. Can I swear on this? Is that okay? Oh my God. Encouraged. Great, okay, because I don't know how to not do that. It's horrible. But yeah, okay, so when you're talking about magic over the tea, that's not like I'm all for like the mundane witchy, like mundane magic type of stuff and like finding something magical in things that are everyday and kind of vice versa. But like if someone's going to learn witchcraft and magic in a way that is like actually super potent and effective, like praying over a tea is really not gonna help anybody learn anything, is kind of my bitchy opinion. So for me, it's really important that people learn like basic energy practices and stuff like that, rather than like looking up a bunch of tea recipes and thinking that that's gonna solve all their problems. The
0: end notes, you said, it has never been my intention to create a conventional academic product. What do you mean? This is an academic product?
1: Yeah, so that's actually my master's thesis, which I'm sure will sound super, yeah, which I'm sure will sound super sexy to some people and also really lame to other people. So (laughs) hopefully that doesn't turn people off of it. But um, yeah, like I really believe that like philosophical academic research, like stuff that is actually rigorous, like it should be accessible to people. And so in the academy oftentimes you get people doing this like really amazing research but they just write it in a Word document and then no one ever gets the benefit of that. And like as someone who is a practitioner but also a researcher and I have this kind of like dual practice thing going on. Like to me it's important to get it back to the community. I'm an artist, I'm a writer, I'm a poet and so doing an academic work that's just an essay would also like make me want to jump off a building as well so it's like also partly selfish (laughs) that's kind of where that line in those end notes came from as someone who's a practitioner in the academy I feel like doubly responsible you know like for the work that I produce because there's so much work done by academics like about witchy people about medical practitioners that is not grounded in actually knowing how to do it. They're Doing a generalization from talking to like one coven or like one Freemason, like whatever the hell it is. And I just find that so fundamentally problematic. So I really wanted to do this thing that could appeal to both the academic sphere and also to people who actually get their hands dirty in practice and I want it to be this like crossover. There was someone I was talking to who, um, works at Catland I guess the listeners who don't know it's like a, the best witchy store in Brooklyn it's fucking awesome and uh, they were telling me that like this book is like the one that they recommend to people who are new and don't know what the fuck is going on because it is that kind of like worldview primer like in philosophy we would call it like an ontological kind of piece it is about like what is what exists and how we how do we learn what exists how does magic change what we think exists and what different beings in the world are capable of what is magic it's relational it's about building relationships and i think for me that's actually what's absent in like those pieces about the tea there's no relationship there it's just like it's a use value it's using a product to do Mm. a thing like for me like that's not what the hell i'm doing ever (laughs) it's it's about building kinship building a relationship
0: when you say environmental advocacy You're not Mm, just talking about, you know, like, uh, oh, you know, like, use less water and recycle more. That's not what you mean. What do
1: you mean by environment? Okay, so usually people do this thing where they see, like, we are people in the world. And so it's this, like, subject-background dichotomy and so like the type of philosophy that I do um, which is called like object oriented ontology kind of new materialist is like super nerdy so if this is like not interesting to people like you can forget that I said that but so within philosophy like that kind of human ground um, standpoint is kind of referred to as correlationism it's like there's the human and then there's the background and so even a lot of people working in environmentalism things that way where it's like there's the human subject as like the most important thing kind of and then it's just the our environment that we are walking on that is static inert it might be pretty and something to advocate for whatever but there is still this kind of secondariness to that that really doesn't sit well with me personally and so when I'm talking about environment I'm also thinking about like how how are we also environment? What kind of like what it boils down to for me is like interconnectedness between all beings. And so mm-hmm. the type of philosophy that I'm interested in is like horizontal. So what does that mean? That means that we all kind of like equally are relevant. And so it, I don't center the human in what I do, like philosophically or magically. It's all about the networks of beings that are all interconnected, all acting on each other. Uh, we are shaped, of course, by our interactions with non-humans, whether that's plants, animals, chairs, tables, I'm sure like just use an example to illustrate what I'm talking about. Like if you've ever had like a really shitty bed or like a really shitty chair, like your back is gonna get fucked up after a while. And so that is a really like banal example of like an inanimate object slowly acting. On you. So, one of the interesting things about magic, like to me, is that it makes that relationship visible more than it otherwise usually is. Because we in magic, usually people are not just kind of DIYing it completely, like we're collaborating with different objects, usually. Like, not always, but particularly folks are like newer, you're gonna be buying the incense, the candles, like the stuff. And so, there's this like collaborative nature to that. So when I think of environment, I think about how does the doing of witchcraft and magic change our understanding of what environment is and what non-human bodies are capable of and what what they do, what they can do. And so when we're thinking about environmental advocacy, it is actually, funnily enough, like practicing magic for so long that turned me into someone who gave a shit about the environment really through doing magic for such a long time that i started to understand like that relationality over time and like the kinship and like the equality of like myself and a tree like we both exist in this world so of course uh that tree or whatever it is like does not deserve to experience violence and so it is through magic over time that I kind of learned that, you know, like not to see a tree as lesser than me. And I think that is kind of a really, really long answer to what on earth is the environmental advocacy piece about, because I think it's really really common for people who care about environment to do this like top-down thing where they're like, we, the great humans who are badass are gonna take care of that inert stuff that doesn't have a soul, that doesn't have agency, that doesn't have any thoughts or feelings about anything and it's through doing magic that i've kind of realized like oh like plants animals and well obviously animals everyone kind of knows this but plants and objects and you know cities and landscape has its own life it's really like magic and magical practice that made that visible to me in that way and then the advocacy piece is like oh right yeah we should all give a fuck about this (laughs) and like activism that is based on seeing the earth as inanimate or not having its own life and its own perspective is i think Bound to fail. And so that, like, the, there's, there is definitely like a political uh, impetus behind what I'm trying to say with that book.
0: What you bring up is a fundamental shift in the Western mind. And actually, recently, uh, Swami Anand Nisarg he put up an article, and he's an I Ching expert. And he yeah. put up an article about how in Asian art, unlike in Western art, the human being mm-hmm. is not the center. No,
1: it's art. tiny as fuck, so, right? Tiny. It's, it's like small as hell in this math environment, which I
0: think is cool as hell. You use the word in your book anthropocentric or anthropomorphic to describe like how we yeah. basically we're like human supremacists, right? And we see ourselves...
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah
0: we're human supremacists. <laughs> so even if we think of, you know, like those hippy-dippy people who are just like, man, Mother Earth, but at the same time, yeah. they see themselves as above. Mother Earth, not the equal.
1: I know. It's so ridiculous. Okay, yes. Okay, so the other thing with that, too, is, oh, my God, is there's also this, like, romanticization of, like, the Earth. And so it's like there's these people who are, like, worshipping or whatever, working spiritually with the Earth, but, like, don't make room for the fact that, like, pollution and, like, environmental destruction has, like, rendered their vision of what the Earth is like, non-existent. And so it's like, how do we connect spiritually with an earth or an a planet that is like, you know, everything is going extinct, the world is exploding, like all the oceans are fucked, everything is fucked. And so how do we deal with that spiritually?
0: The, the Neo-Wiccan, I love how you were like the Wiccan-y circle-y thing people, they, uh, they just want the pristine <laughs> nature.
1: They do, they do. And I think, um, like, that's also a big issue, like in all the one o ones that are coming out now as well is like they don't make space for the fact that this like pure pristine idea of nature that they're holding up on a pedestal like no longer exists and perhaps never did, like okay, so then should we only worship or work spiritually with the earth it if, if it's pristine what the, like what the hell does that mean like the ethics of that are incredibly. Brought to me personally, like I'm, I'm happy to work with, you know, a, like I live in downtowns, so like I'm happy to work like with, you know, my park across street from me, which is full of like, garbage, like random needles on the ground, you know, like, random shit that's like just city stuff, <laughs> like yeah, it's polluted, it's not pristine. You know, and I think that realness of, like, what is the Earth actually, like, does need to be incorporated into people's practice. There's this great book called Ecology Without Nature. It's something that I cite in the book, and um, it's written by this guy called Tim Morton. He actually wrote the foreword for the book. He's, like, amazing. I love him. And uh, in that book, he talks about the idea of nature being, like, really problematic for environmental movements. And he's talking about how environmental movements often put nature on a pedestal, in the same way the patriarchy puts women on a pedestal. Hmm. And, like, to me, when I read that, like, my brain, like, exploded. I was like, yes, this is, like, the most true, real thing I've, like, ever read in my life. And so I always, like, keep that at the back of my mind. Like, whenever I'm thinking about, like, environment, especially as it relates to spirituality, and especially as it relates to, like, earth-based religions, which the contemporary neo-pagan movement, I would say, is definitely a part of that. Like, if people have an earth-based Practice or work with nature, whatever the hell that is, in any kind of way. I think that that ethical piece does need to be considered. I'm so glad you brought
0: this up because as you were speaking about this and about what Tim Morton said, um, yeah. I was thinking about that Madonna horror dichotomy.
1: Yes. Totally.
0: So, is, you know, like Earth back in the day, that's the Madonna, right? It's Garden of Eden, yeah. it's Eve, but then once there's trash. Once you got some graffiti up on like the building, you know, once there's cement, it's fucking horror.
1: Totally, totally. And like, yeah, we see that with how people spiritually work with the earth. And so if I can go on a rant about crystals for a minute, is that okay? (laughs) Okay. So I'm sure you've seen, there's some really great critiques that have come out recently about this crystal industry. They're pretty good um, critiques. I think one of them is in New Republic. Don't quote me on that. But they're they're pretty reasonable critiques, to be honest. So it's talking about how, like, the New Age woo-woo, whatever, crystal industry, um, they use often, like, very unethical mining techniques, very unethical ways of obtaining the crystals and stones, um, you know, like, child labor, slavery, uh, no one gets paid well, it's like a shit, shitstorm it's a disaster no one really knows where anything comes from like the sourcing is incredibly confusing like problematic and fraught So okay on one hand I'm like yes I agree completely like I'm with you makes sense like this process like should be so much more ethical and above board and gentle than it is so yes I agree but on the other hand like what I've seen that how I've seen those critiques taken up by people who are sympathetic to them is like, oh, I'm going to throw out all my like pristine crystals and I'm just going to work with like the pebble that I got outside Mm -hmm. and like to me that seems like also like a really problematic reaction in a way. It's like, okay so it goes back to the Madonna horror thing that you were just talking about. So it's like, okay this thing is then tainted tainted by the lack of ethics, so then it goes in the garbage. And like, to me, that also seems fucked up and wrong. It's like, why not work energetically with the thing that you have to clear out whatever violent energy is still in it from its means of production, like whatever whatever trauma was enacted on that substance, like why not just energetically work with that and work with it over time as a being that had a really violent experience mm. rather than throwing it at
0: me. Yeah. Like what you bring up is actually one of my biggest pet peeves in that new age community, which is spiritual bypassing.
1: Yep. Yeah. Have you read the book? It's a book called um, just spiritual bypassing. I think it's by this guy, Augustus Mathers or something. It's awesome. It's like a whole book about it. Totally would recommend. One of the most insufferable
0: people in the world, in my opinion, are those holier than thou raw vegans, right? Oh my god and it's like now because they're just like i don't want to externally judge but i'm gonna judge bodies now in terms of like the cleanliness of my internal body i'm energetically superior than you because i'm a raw vegan and the thing is is that this sort of this is this also goes back for me not only to spiritual bypassing which is like everything has to be clean the environment's not clean Fuck that shit. I'm going to clean myself. You know, I'm not going to eat any cooked food. It's going to be raw vegan. But then it also goes back to this idea of why am I doing this? Why am I asserting so much like weird flex, weird dominance over totally. like nature, you know, this is sort of like that man versus nature because oh, you're totally. part of nature too. Right. It's like, yeah. why all this almost like eating disordery, overly controlling, overly dominant thing.
1: Oh totally, yeah, completely. Yeah, and like with something like that, it can often like veer on the edge of like orthorexia. Yeah, so if anyone does not know what that is, look up orthorexia, yeah, it's super like control-based. But the other thing too is like this movement towards purity. Um, It brings me back to, not to get too nerdy, but um, Bruno Latour is one of my favorite philosophers of all time, I cite him all over the place in my book. I think he's amazing. And he's got this great book called We Have Never Been Modern. And so he, in that book, outlines, like, what are the, like, main points in modernity. And one of them is purity and, like, the movement towards, like, purity and, like, desiring this, like, things to be pure. And I really see that in so much of what we're talking about, like, with how people are desiring, like, the earth to be how people want crystals to be, how people want women to be, like all of this stuff to me is so interconnected and there's not a lot of room made for mess or pain or violence or violation, you know, like those crystals, we can bring back to that too, like they have been violently extracted and like if you're going to be that being, that crystal going through that experience, what a violent traumatic experience to have. And then you're in someone's home, lovingly, and then that person is like, oh, you're not pure enough for my spiritual practice, so to hell with you. Do you know what I mean? It's just, like, horrible.
0: It's horrible,
1: right? It's horrible. And to see, to me, it goes completely against, like, my perspective on magic and witchcraft, which is so relationship-based. And so I'm all about building relationship with everything I work with, whether that's a spirit, an object, a crystal, a plant, whatever the fuck it is, I don't care, like, I want to get tight with it, I want to be, like, homies, you know, and so to have this idea, like, oh, this crystal is not, like, pure or whatever, and then to throw it away, like, to me, that is, like, not a relationship-based thing to do, like, that is seeing that crystal as a use value, and, like, you know, if any friend of yours or, like, relationship or whoever hell, like, in your life is seen you as a used value at any point, like, you know how shitty that is. Like, the worst feeling ever right. to just feel, like, not unseen and accepted as a being, but just used for, like, whatever the fuck it was, like, horrible. And so, like, t- for me, um, I don't really find it to be acceptable to treat, like, magical collaborators that way, even if it's just a stone. I just find it like completely (laughs) unethical.
0: I think a lot of people, especially new witches, they might feel a little bit confused as in, wait, so if everything has spirit, like my paperclip, like that piece of dog shit on the sidewalk, it has spirit, you know, like I think they might be like, but wait, it's spirit if it's like incense and it's like blessed and stuff. But you're saying in this (laughs) book, which I agree with, that everything in this environment, and that includes the dog shit, there's spirit there.
1: Oh, uh, completely, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everything. And so for whatever fucking reason, uh, I've always felt that way. Like I was at home and like one of my parents like threw a magazine or whatever across the room or like on the ground to like be dramatic. I felt like upset for the magazine. I was like, Oh my god, that's so rude like that poor a magazine. Like I've always I've always felt that way. Um And so, like, getting more deep into, like, witchcraft and magic and then finding, like, the word animism, I was like, yes, this is what I am. (laughs) This makes sense to me. And so, yeah, I think, like, it's super crucial to see the spirit and energy and the beauty in, like, the most mundane stuff. You to see it, like, in the garbage, in the discarded things, in the dog shit, in the paperclip, in the stuff that is boring. Do you know what I mean? Like, not even distilling it to like the magical stuff like to me that's like the most beautiful like transition that happens like when someone starts to become like a more advanced practitioner I would say is like when that awareness starts to spread and it's not just distilled in the incense the candle the like herb that you bought at the witchy store with the like witchy label on it <laughs> like, that to me is like the most beautiful moment like when people start to realize that that spirit and that beauty is in everything. It reminds me
0: of um, the Aghori, right, and how they take the profane, so they'll yeah. actually eat shit, human shit, they'll eat their meals out of a human skull, um, because they're trying to erase the, the idea that some things are sacred and some things are profane, that there's beauty, yeah. sustenance, and value. In even the most literal shittiest thing, Um, decaying bodies, things that most people find repulsive, you know, profanity of of whatever it is, embodied profanity. They're just like, give it to me. I love it. It's beautiful. And that's what you're talking about. And I really appreciate that because to me, that is a huge part of life that we love to just cut out. But life... It's about decay. It's about death. It's, you know, the circle of life, the Lion
1: King, right? Completely. No, I totally agree with you. And it goes back to what you were saying before about spiritual bypassing being like a disaster. And unfortunately, like, I don't remember, you know, 20 years ago seeing much spiritual bypassing in witchcraft. It wasn't as much of a thing and so I feel like now unfortunately like a lot of the newer works that are coming out there is this like equation of witchcraft with wellness and like witchcraft equals like feeling good and like so I'm off a few minds about that so I do think that like which one of my like avenues of practice and thought is about witchcraft as a form of like healing from trauma like that's a big thing for me right now like my next book is going to be about witchcraft and healing from like ancestral trauma and that's this type of shit it's going to be intense and like so I believe in the healing wellness part of it in that way um but at the same time like my witchcraft like that's never what I go to it with I'm never like I want to feel good that's like never my motivation it's like okay what needs to be done and often you know like witchcraft for me embodies like the tower energy Like, if we're going to go to the tarot for some symbolism. And the tower is, like, an unpleasant shit show that no one really likes going through, but it's a paradigm shift that completely transforms everything and, like, paves the way for something beautiful. Like, the tower comes right before the star. And the star is, like, when we find out, like, who we are, what our purpose is, all that cute, like, warm, gooey shit. But, like, that can only happen once we, in my opinion, like, magically welcome the disaster the shit show the complete transformation and like the death card as well like relates to this in a different way but yeah it's the wellness trend around witchcraft. I find like deeply confusing because like that's never ever what like my motivation for magical work of is like feeling good like never it's like I want to work through this I want to get that I want to like heal from this thing but oftentimes that process is, it means like you go through the crap you don't dump over it. Which is spiritual bypassing is very much like the leaping over rather than like the sifting through it. I call it taking an Uber through the valley of the shadow of death. Play you wanna get up? You wanna play yourself? I'm gonna you
0: talk right up? now. You wanna, you, wanna you wanna get up? You wanna play, you wanna, play you wanna get up? You wanna, up? You wanna you get up? You wanna play I'm gonna tell him you holding me against my, Interesting that this is black and white, right? So it's not like color. Mm, yeah felt as though it kind of set the mood for me that this isn't just about color and like feel good and yay, you know, like cotton candy sweetness. This shower scene, it's like there's a knife and there's blood.
1: Yeah, I I I did that. That's like a thing. I I did that ritual. That was some intense. That was an intense ritual. Yeah. That was crazy. The ritual was done when, I don't know, there was like this crazy hurricane situation. I don't know if you remember that at all. <laughs> but um, it was bonkers. It was, like, crazy rain, like, all the power here like went out. Like, it was so windy that, like, a giant sign fell over and, like, killed someone. It was, like, crazy. Like, it was crazy. I think, I think it was, like, whenever New York flooded, it was, like, the same time, like, the subway flood, flooded or something. I can't really, like, remember what year this was. But anyway, the point is, energy was bonkers. It was, like, this hurricane type of situation. Crazy. It was around Halloween and it was... Superman. Like, the energy was just fucked, it was just next level, like, big. I was with this dude for about six years, bless him, like, I still love this guy, I think he's a great person. Um, but I just felt like in this rut, like, about literally, like, everything in my life. Like, I didn't know, like, what was wrong. Like, everything was, it was good, but I felt stuck. And so, I did this ritual, and the point of it was to remove what no longer served me. Yeah, that's the scene. And so. I had cedar that a friend of mine had harvested um, out by the country where she used to live. And so that's what that plant is, is it's cedar, which uh, in case uh, listeners don't know, cedar has a very cleansing energy to it, Brushed my whole body in this shower with this cedar, and I cut my hand to kind of mark my commitment to that, to put my, you know, my energy into that, that in a big way. You know? And um, I spent the next 24 hours being like very physically ill. And so uh, I was like, it's not what I asked for, guys. Can we like reverse that part? And so we reversed that part. It felt like this this crazy like possession moment. That was fun. Less than I learned on that, be more specific. But um, I do feel like that bodily cleansing was also an important aspect of it. So that's fine. Like I dealt with it, it's fine. But um, the point of that ritual was to work with all of those different energies to just kind of of create this shift. And within a month, that relationship was over. And this is, like, someone I thought I was going to marry, you know, like, I thought that was that. And, like, I totally have nothing bad to say about this person, but, like, we just were not, like, for each other. And and, um, it was crazy. Like, everything just dropped changed with that ritual and on that spread and like it was just crazy cleansing experience it was very much a cleansing vanishing ritual but that that was it was a very non-specific it was like whatever doesn't serve me at this point in my life like make room for the next thing you know best I'm just gonna like ride the wave was very much what it was and the reason why I phrased it that way was because of this crazy like hurricane violent energy and like a, a lot of my cleansing magic for myself does tend to be more violent and sudden rather than slow and gentle. To me that is like the opposite of like the wellness trend that we're seeing right now. Like I would love to see like some talk in one of these new one-on-one books about, you know, doing rituals like that. Like I think that's the type of ritual most people should be doing if you're new to magic cuz then you realize like whoa, this shit is potent and it's real. And like the results for me were like quite quick. And it's part of the point. And like, we really don't experience that if we're just going to, like, be praying over some tea or, like, a water bottle. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one's going to experience, like, a drastic life shift. Like, praying over a water bottle It's just, in my opinion, like, not going to happen. But maybe I'm just seeing a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: for the newbie witches, I'm sure, like, a newbie witch is going to be like, well... What was the difference between praying over the water bottle versus doing this ritual? Was it that you cut your hand? Was it that you could pray over the water bottle, but the mindset, if your mindset was different, it would have worked? Like, what are the subtle differences between witchcraft that works, which is like what you did, versus the, you know, witchcraft that's null, which is praying over the water bottle?
1: Totally. That's a great question. So, like, for me, like, the blood, that was like a sacrifice, right? So, uh, I believe in the power of giving offerings when I do work Uh, I think that's really important I think the spirits need to be fed and you know they're exerting their energy they're doing shit like if a client is hiring me to do something I'm gonna like be paid (laughs) and so you know like I always give regular offerings on my altar with like flowers food whatever the fuck like alcohol whatever it is And so like to me in that ritual, like sometimes my offering is gonna be like saliva, sometimes it's gonna be blood, like whatever it is. That giving of yourself, to me that's important. So if you're just praying over a water bottle, you're not, you don't have your ass on the line. You're not sacrificing anything, you're not making yourself in any way uncomfortable, you're not acknowledging that this process is gonna be probably difficult and painful. And so giving blood, that belonged to me, it creates discomfort, it creates pain, and it's also a giving of my life force to what so blood is, right? Making myself vulnerable, putting myself on the line. Uh, and the cleansing piece is important, important, right? So if you're just praying over a water bottle, what's your magical collaborator? It's a water bottle, right? So what's the point of that? Water, okay? So that's a collaborator. The bottle is another collaborator. So the water, what's the point of that? It's It like nourishes you. So it's all about you feeling good, right? So it's nourishing water gives gives life gives energy Uh, and so if you're doing what I did in that ritual um, which which I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone copy word for word like I do think rituals do need to be like quite tailored to the situation Um, but for me I was collaborating with what cedar so that's a very powerful plant spirit I would say it's like quite intense and it's like scraping through of all the muck and does that quite effectively and quite quickly, I think. And so there's that collaborator that's doing something. Uh, and then the shower water is also cleansing. It's a more gentle cleanse. So there's a cleanse happening on two different levels, right? One is more gentle, more kind of watery. Another one is more, uh, solid. It's like a bit more, uh, intense. Um, so there's those two th- things that are happening there. Okay. So the other thing that's going on is I'm working with the moon phase, full moon, big deal. Halloween times, so the ancestors are like, like all up in everyone's shit, basically. Uh, uh, and then the hurricane, which is also another cl- cleansing and like fucking up everyone's stuff, like getting rid of everything violently. And so working with all, all of those different energies at one time, intentionally, and being open to the three of the universe, and being like, what? do your thing, I am accepting what you want. What ended up happening from that was like, a better shift than I could have designed myself but it's also something that I would not have thought to ask for. And so sometimes so it's trusting the universe. Sometimes you know best. Working with all those different collaborators, all those different energies, all those different spirits. A uh, very, very different thing than just, like, praying some generic bullshit it over a water bottle. So a bunch of different reasons. Why? Okay. So you don't feel anything. You're not opening yourself up to risk. You're not putting yourself on the line. And also there's no, there's no opportunity to measure the impact. Of what is going on. So when I did that ritual, and I was like, cleanse me of my bull- bullshit right now, please. Um, that's asking for something measurable. So if I went like six months and nothing different happened, I'd be like, oh, fuck, I fucked up somewhere. Like, Or or I'm good. Or, or there was one that needed to be cleansed, actually. Uh, whereas with the water bottle, if you're just praying for good vibes <laughs> over the water bottle, how do you measure that? How do you, like, where's the evidence? How do you decide that that was effective? Your day was, like, slightly better? <laughs> like, how, how do you then gain belief in your own abilities and the practice that you're engaging in? There, there's no way. It, 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 to me, it goes back to that spiritual bypassing piece, which is just, like, you, you know, this positive thinking, the secret type of bullshit.
0: Then it reminds me very much of two things. First, what Frauder and Chasson said about. If you want magic to be real, real magic is dangerous yeah. because it can actually oh, affect your yeah. reality. If you want to have real magic, yeah. which is by its nature, dangerous, then you need to basically yeah. do things that are a little bit dangerous. You can't do temperpedic yeah. magic. The second yeah. thing was of Alka Systemeck of Scarlet Imprint. Yeah. She talks a lot about the occulted body
1: Yeah,
0: and what you're talking about You know, like when you cut your hand and you're cleansing yourself, you're working with not just this physical body, but the hidden occulted body. I thought a lot of this black and white stuff, it was to also talk about that hidden occulted body. You talk so much about this witch body, you know, this body that is intelligent and primal and magical. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Mm. Oh man, I don't even know where to start with that, but I think part of it, and thank you for your observations, like, very humbled by that and happy about it, Um, but I think, like, the title of the book, which, like, no one's actually ever asked me about that, which I find, like, shocking, like, people make jokes about it, they're like, ha ha ha, witch body, ha ha, but it's like, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, like, networks of beings, like, everything is interconnected, so in a sense, like, which body are we talking about right because there are so many bodies interconnected all the time always you know like you're not just you in and of yourself in a vacuum like you're not an island you are also so held up by so many other bodies like literally a chair right now you know other different things around you that you collaborate with all the time like whatever your living space is like the house spirits all of that and so part of the title is actually also this riff on like the networked body, like the body that is always in community in a sense. And I think if we are witches or people who practice magic, it's crucial to be aware of the networked body, the body that is in community always. And always relation like relational, right? Like always building relationships with other entities, whether those are human, non human, whatever it is. I think a lot of people
0: they'll do magic like when you know they want their boyfriend back or mm-hmm. you know whatever yeah. but this sort of everyday magic you're talking about this realization of the witch body mm-hmm. and the environment yeah. that's a lot more difficult to maintain
1: yeah for sure. sure yeah okay great question so for me um, it's also about maintaining those relationships when there's nothing to be asked for like when there's nothing to gain so that example that you used about someone doing magic, like when they have a breakup and they want to get someone back, like I've done that. It didn't work out. So <laughs> um, like that magic works. It's like, no, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but regardless of that, it's to me, it brings me to this idea of not only coming to magic when you want something, whether it's a person, a job, money, an object, a house, an outcome, it's showing up for no reason. It's just maintaining the relationship when we're not trying to be extractive, and so like everyone, like the example I tend to use, like everyone's got that friend that like like, only calls when they want something, like everyone hates that person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like everyone hates that person. So, like, I was just like try not to be that guy, like try not to be that friend that like only call was like, Hey, I'm moving tomorrow. I haven't seen you or talked to you in like three years, but like, do you want to help me move my heavy ship for like two days, you know? And so to me, like the hard, I guess the hard part if we're going to use that phrase and you were talking about of it all is just showing up regularly all the time, you know? It's like the same way that you would text a friend you haven't seen in a while, like, you know, once a month, maybe every few weeks, just check in for no reason. And, like, you're not in a crisis, they're not in a crisis, no one wants anything, but it's, like, a maintenance of relationship. Like, maintaining that connection and without wanting to get at something extractive from it. And so, for me, that is, like, giving offerings, like, when I'm not doing ritual. So, I need to, like, replenish my flowers on my altar right now. My spirits are, like, getting grumpy, but it's, like, a bit dry. But, um... Like, generally speaking, like, I always have fresh flowers on my altar. Like, maintaining that is one of the most important things for me that I do. I always try to, like, whenever I do the flower replenishment, I always will put, like, cold water on the altar, replenish that, you know, switch up the offerings, like, maybe clean it up every few months. Like, I don't do that that often because spirits don't care, at least the ones I work with. But having those offerings done regularly, to me, is a way of maintaining that relationship. And I only ask for shit pretty rarely. Like, I actually don't ask for stuff as often as I give to them. And so, like, I guess that might sound hard to some people. But to me, it's just, it goes back to the fact that, like, for me, magic is relational. It's about relationship building. And so, like, that's what bothers me about the wellness magic narrative is people then see magic as a thing that gives wellness. So it's still use value based, but the use is you extract wellness, whatever the hell that is from that practice. And so for me, I need to give those offerings and maintain those relationships regardless of how well I am or what I'm asking for, whether it's a big ask, small ask, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's like, to me, it's, Regular like, contact, even if it's just like, hey dudes, what's up? You know, like, here's some incense. Yeah, like, I don't think I could work with spirits who needed, like, a more formal, like, address. It's just not my vibe. Uh, last time I did a ritual uh, um, where my dead grandmother on my mom's side showed up, and I was wearing, like, a ba- bathrobe. Like, I looked like a total ridiculous person, and she was like, yeah, you're doing magic in a robe. Nice. (laughs) I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, so the spirits like make jokes at me about like how ridiculous and like too chill I am with magic in a robe. They don't think about like a bathrobe. They think about this like spooky, you know, thing. But like for me, it's so much more down to earth and so much more like practical and real. Like I don't have like magic clothes that I wear. I just wear whatever for the fuck that I happen to be wearing at that point and everyone can deal with it. And so I think sometimes there's this weird, like, oh, the relationship maintenance is hard because I have to have a shower because I have to be clean. I have to wear the magic outfit. It has to be magic time, full moon, or whatever the fuck. And it's like, no, like none of those things have to be there. You can be wearing your pajamas. It can be some random middle moon phase, like some fucking three quarters, whatever. You don't even need to know what the phase is of like the sun or the, you know, whatever sign everything is in. Just like show up, say hi like high five your spirit people and then go to bed. Like it doesn't have to be a big deal. And I think that's a bit of it. Like it can be casual, it can be a part of daily life, it doesn't have to be this like really crazy intense process that you have to like really take like four hours of the day to do. Like I'm sure some people do that and like go for them, but it doesn't have to be that way. With clients privately to teach them like magic skills and stuff, like the two big problems I see with people, either they're too open or too closed. So people who are too open, they have like, so much spirit noise all the time, and they are so overwhelmed. They're always exhausted. They don't know how to like parse it all apart to make sense of it. It's just too big, too much going on. And then the total opposite of that is the people who don't know how to connect. They can't rely for life feel energy at all. And so I work with these like two extremes of people, and it goes back to what I was saying with, you know, it's always, all of this shit is always around, but it's about... <laughs> Being able to control, like, you're tuning into it or not. So that's the other piece with this too, is like, the ability to actually harness it. And so, like, for me, like, I can whatever, talk to spirits, hear them, all of that shit, but like, I turn that actually off most of the time. You know, a tune in our ear, you know, like, how to, like, tune things in, tune things out, and kind of control that once we do learn that language. Like,
0: let me use myself as an example. I don't think that I'm naturally attuned like just this is just my personal opinion like compared to a lot of other people in the magic community I am just I go into a haunted house everybody sees spirits and I'm just like I see nothing but my imagination's going crazy right I'll be the first person to shit my pants but I won't actually (laughs) see spirits right yeah although people have said your imagination may actually be you connecting but anyways that's another story but but
1: let's say like
0: somebody like me I'm just like okay I want to connect so but the thing is I'm not naturally like connected I want to believe that I'm part of this environment and stuff but I see dog shit and it's just dog shit my life is kind of like dreary and it's like very hard to find that in where's that in
1: I love this question. Amazing. Okay. So with spirit work and with mediumship and energy work, there's, like, you basically have, like, different sensory skills with that, just like you do with anything, right? So just like in normal mundane life, like, there's some people who have, like, a crazy taste palette, you know, like, they can taste... The, you know, like all the differences and all the wines, they can like have the wine and be like, oh, this one is like apricot and smoke or whatever the hell. And you can taste it and be like, I don't, I don't know, it's just wine, I don't know what you're talking about. But like, there's some people who've got like a crazy palate, right, they can taste any crazy shit. There's some people who like are amazing at listening and they can hear like all of this nuance in music and who are amazing with smell, you know, they can tease out like all the different notes in a perfume and tell you like, how does that, there's some people who like, visually are super super skilled right with spirit work and with energy work i feel like it's very much the same thing right and so everyone is going to have like their senses that are easier to key into than others and so like for me with my own energy work practice like my particular like whatever aptitudes are uh clairsentient so that means like clear feelings like i feel like tingles and stuff so, I feel like heat, I feel cold, I feel sensations like on my body whenever there's like spirits chilling. So, get um, voices. <laughs> uh, so, it's clairaudience. Like, I will hear, right? And I also will sometimes um, see. So, it's clairvoyance. And so. Me, like, as an artist, it makes sense that I would see. Like, I'm also a writer and a poet, so it makes sense that I would hear. And so, that is the easiest ways for me to connect with spirit stuff. And so, what I usually want to ask people to do is, like, if you're going to find your entry point, be like, what senses of yours normally are, like, more particularly skillful or astute and so I would ask you that like how do you usually like relate to the world that you live in like are you more auditory do you music are you more visual are you like what is your own vibe with all of that stuff just normally just normally what if somebody says well you know
0: like I'm really good at playing
1: sports so to me that would be like an embodied knowledge right so to me that's sensory. To me, it would be a very clear sentient because sports are so deeply embodied. To me, sports is so related to magical work because like there's a lot of research on sports that like, you have to be in this flow state. And so to me, like I would call something like that like trance. You know what I mean? Like I would consider that to be um, like kind of low key possession, right? And so like for me, whenever I'm in that state, it's there's a few different ways I'm in that state. So it's either a magical ritual um it's um or like art making or sex so those are like like the three areas of my life that i know how to just like go there and like completely put my brain on a shelf go into the flow state start the thing do the thing and then like come back to reality afterwards and like control that and so it's actually very very fucking similar to that really like you have to like get in the zone a lot of sports people are super superstitious really ritualized you know, they wear the same underwear, they, like, hit their foot a few times, you know, know, they, like, click the thing, you know, whatever the hell it is, they, like, say their little prayer, they have their, like, theme song, like, sports are so ritualized, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, like, they're so about, like, creating that ritual to go into the flow state, to then channel something, and then come out of it, so to me, that's, like, so, like, 100% relevant to magic, like, it is ritual, very much.
0: Right here, I want to add that there's people right now who are just like well my only talent is i know how to put on makeup well i'm just like girl that is meditation right there like the 12 step like korean skincare ritual that's you know you get into a you get into this like state where it's like you know you have to massage your face a certain way and then you like totally get into like this zone and like when oh, i'm wow. putting on makeup like i'm i enter into a completely different reality right i'm I, not in this world I, anymore because I'm focused on creating th- this. So it's yeah. like people who get a lot of pleasure out of maybe housework, you know, like.
1: Totally, 100%. Like, so what is going on there? It's a flow state. It is like a trance state. Like, you're channeling something, right? Like, you're creating a, a space where you're able to just kind of be a vessel for something else. And, like, to me, that is a great way to practice. Like, opening yourself up to in a way that would be useful later for mediumship and receiving message from spirit if that that's a thing that you care about. Or even just noticing energy, right? Like to me that those any type of flow state is crucial, whether it's makeup or sports or house cleaning, whatever it is, like that is like a like you said, a meditative type of state. It does something completely different to your mind and your body. And you're just a bit more like receptive. Like there's something biologically different that's happening there. And it's, I think like that's completely 100% applicable to like learning magical
0: work, like 100%. So let's say you become more aware of your flow states, so you're kind of like, oh, you know, like while I'm doing housework, I'm just like, okay, like I'm in flow state. This is like part of like being the witch body, you know, like the occulted body.
1: Um, And then what? (laughs) What's next? Right, so <laughs> I love this question. Okay, so then, um, oh my god, like to me, this type of question it's hard to answer in a generic way. It's like I tend to work like so one on one with people when it comes to this. But it's like okay, so once you notice like your your skill set of a particular sense start to develop and develop and develop, um, do that like in, in a more spiritual space that's like not that space. Like, let's say if it's sports. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, if you've got experience creating a flow state. Okay. Like, so, you know, you need this song, you know, you need the light to be this way, you know, you to be like wearing that pair of underwear and like that pair of socks. Okay. So like you need these things to trigger your flow state. Awesome. Okay. So what would it mean then to do all of those things when you're entering like your ritual for the full moon, what happens then? And find out. Often I think time, like two people like give up too early you know, like, they'll try this, like, once, and they'll be like, oh, I suck, I'm so closed off, I can't do it, and it's like, no, man, like, keep trying, like, it's, it's like, when people try to, like, take one, like, literally just one Spanish class, and they're like, oh, I give up, I don't know Spanish, fuck, you know what I mean, it's like, no, man, like, you've got to, like, work on that for, like, a few years, and then you'll be able to kind of figure it out, and so... Oftentimes I think people are looking, people who are maybe a bit more closed off sometimes are looking for this more immediate result that only, like, it's just impossible, like, I think, like, maybe it's not completely impossible, but it's quite unlikely to get an immediate response just in the span of, like, you know, one session, you know, like, I'm going to remember two words from that one Spanish class, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to know how to make a sentence, it's like not gonna happen. And so I think people also need to be patient and kind with themselves, you know, like it takes time. So once you know how to get yourself triggered into the flow state, apply that to your spiritual space. And then do that again and again and again and again, take notes and find out what works and what doesn't and just pay attention to your whole situation, write down the messages that come through. And like, I think oftentimes two people will, if they take notes, and they'll kind of be able to look back and be like, oh fuck, that was like, I channeled a thing that then happened six months later. And if I didn't write that like one silly sounding sentence down, I wouldn't have been able to validate that for myself. So that's the other thing is like, write it down, because then if you're new, you'll get to validate it. And I think like that builds confidence. And then that builds like lack of fear, which also helps with the flow state.
0: Just love everything that Sabrina has to say. And of course her book, Which Body, is gorgeous accessible and you can also get a copy of this book again open to anybody anywhere in the world international what i would like you to do is write in the comments below what you feel you would like to see in witchy 101 books like what are some topics that maybe you feel that other authors haven't yet touched on or you would like authors to touch more upon i'm going to open this on both instagram and youtube if you follow me on instagram which is hi chawan i'll link it down below you can enter both on instagram and on youtube i'm gonna choose like a lot of great comments and then randomly choose the winner you can enter in this one and also there's gonna be a part two and you can also enter in part two so there's another chance for you to win this book see you there Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Witches & Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers, they're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches, so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.